Welcome to the Being Known Podcast with my friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson. And my friend, Pepper Sweeney. We are here to discover and explore what it means to be truly known. Hello, Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, you wrote a book. I mean, you wrote a book, and we made a season out of this book. We did, yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about just how... I mean, just that whole, how cool that is. Like, mm. like you have this amazing work that I really encourage everybody to go out and buy. It's The Soul of Desire, Discovering the Neuroscience of Longing, Beauty, and Community, written by Dr. Kurt Thompson, MD. Run, don't walk. Go get it. Mm. And then go mm. back and listen to this season if you haven't. Mm. Mm. You know, the, the, the other thing is, is we've been putting out on socials these these applications every week that after they mm-hmm. read the chapter, they can dive into that. It's just really a great mm-hmm. um, package that, mm-hmm. that celebrates this work of yours. And, and mm-hmm. I'm proud mm-hmm. and honored mm-hmm. to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Man, well, thanks so much. I, I, you're, you're very kind and unusually so this morning. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> see, right. These are things that like women would never say to each other. They, they, they told, they would, we would take those kind of shots across the bow. Um, <laughs> You know, as has been the case for the past two seasons and this season, it has just been a joy to, to have these conversations with you. Uh, and, and so uh, even the construction of uh, the creation of the podcast itself, it feels like an expression of what we're talking about in the book. For sure. And so thank you for uh, partnering with me in that. Thank, and thanks to Amy, who's helping to do that, for help, helping to produce this. So I'm just really, really grateful. And, and yeah. I, do, I, do, I do hope that people will... Check it out and will and and like you uh, like the application piece is important because I think you know you can spend a lot of time just out in the ether talking about things theoretically but I we we really uh, kind of like what we talked about in the last episode in particular this notion that you know it's not just a matter of like you know learning new stuff or feeling better about oneself that like this is intended to change what we are actually doing in bone and blood every day no matter where you know what what no matter what domain of life we're occupying. And it's just been great to be on the ride with you. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it's it's just it's just been awesome. You know, this book starts with um, with the title. It starts with desire, and you you recognize that we are a people of longing right from the beginning. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny. It's uh, I was talking about this with with some other folks uh, just yesterday. This notion that you know. You watch a newborn come into the world, and the newborn is is just an embodied bundle of appetites, an embodied bundle of desire, of longing, and they have no hesitation in letting you know that they want things. And apart from the packaging, and hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully, the expression of it. Now, yep. as a you know, as an adult, adult maybe some of the time guy, me, it doesn't change. Like I am a bundle of appetites, I'm a bundle mm. of desire, and and you know it's easy for us to just either either dismiss that desire or feel like it's going to get me into trouble, or it does get me into trouble, and uh, so I found I have all kinds of ways of misappropriating it or just denying it. When we're you know we we, we look at our scriptures and our scriptures say yeah like that's God's life in you. That bundle of appetite is this notion of desire to create beauty and goodness in everything that you do and not to devour it. And so, you know, I, I think about our, our current 
moment with all of you know in the middle of this pandemic and i say middle because like we actually say middle we we don't we don't actually in some respects don't even know where we are in this pandemic yet but i think about how how so many desires have been exposed have been revealed have been opened up to us because we were kind of covering them over for so long in so many different ways and then the pandemic shows up and like you know we're, we're all kind of forced into a wilderness against our will we're forced to it into a certain fast if you will from each other and from all kinds of things, and we discover some things about ourselves. This day, have these deep longings for connection, so forth, and uh, and, and, and I hope that the, the podcast that this season has spoken to some of those things in, in helpful ways. Yeah, yeah. You you introduced in this first chapter um, the four S's. You want to just talk, yeah. talk about those real quick? Yeah, you know, speaking of. Uh, things that never change between the time yeah. you're born and the time you die. Uh, this notion that we long to be seen. And, you know, even to this day, so uh, as we record this, so my wife has been away for a few days visiting with our, our daughter and her husband, and she's going to come back today. And I can't wait just, I, 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 it's not that I, I just can't wait to see her. Like, I can't wait to be seen by her. Uh, it's, it's been a bit of a week that has been less than pleasant for me in a number of different, a number of different ways, and like to be seen by someone who gets me, and uh, that, that's going to be a great thing to be seen in all of the parts of us that not only not just the parts that I enjoy putting on display, but especially the parts of us that I often hate the most, yeah. that I long to be soothed, especially those parts of me that feel wounded and pained. Of course, I do a lot of work to cover those over and to bury those and to cope with them because they weren't soothed when I was four and 14 and 24. And so I've been doing that all my life, but that doesn't mean that they still don't long to be soothed. We think, well, that happened in the past. There's nothing I can do about that, but still I'm going to end up burning energy, containing that, protecting that. And that's energy that I then don't have available to create the things that God has been waiting for me to create from before the foundation of the world. So I need to be seen in order to be soothed, in order to create over time and space places of comfort and confidence, this sense of safety, in order for me then to go on and be secure. I'm going to take risks out in the world. I'm going to make mistakes. I might get my knee scraped. I might get hurt. I might have things happen that I don't like, but I am able to willing to take those proper risks on the mission of creating things. Now we're not taking about we're not talking about just taking risks in a cavalier fashion. I'm going to just going to take risk by cheating on my wife. I'm going to take the risk of, you know, cheating on my taxes or whatever it is that I'm going to do. I'm just going to take the risk with my heart by just not exercising. I'm talking about taking the risks that are required to create, and we do that. And when those painful moments come, we have a place to return to where we can once again be seen, soothed, and safe in order to then go back out and securely create beauty in the world. And so uh, that never stops for us. And, you know, one of our one of our main questions is, who are the people who are in your life, even as adults, who are providing that kind of an environment for us on a regular cadence, regularly cadenced basis? Yeah. And we, as we get into the uh, the second chapter, which is where we start talking about beauty and desire made manifest, we 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 are introduced to one of these confessional groups where people are doing that work, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. this whole idea of the confessional communities is really a breeding ground for beauty. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd love to hear you just talk again because you know, I, I won't forget. I won't soon forget. Now, I might when I, you know, when my dementia kicks in. Which, <laughs> Whatever you're going to you know, say, I hope I haven't forgotten. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I would just love for you to, like, okay, so this, uh, now I, okay, so there's, yeah, I'm going to give you a couple of options. Okay. Here's the first that, option, and, and you, might, you might say, like, I don't want to do that because I, I don't know if I can get it all. Like, I'd love right. to hear you, I would love to hear you orate the piece of wild things. Oh, man. Or is that something, or is that something you can bring up? Because if you can't, that's okay. Yeah. But if you can. Yeah. I know, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. I, I should have said this beforehand. Yeah, I'd need to refresh. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, can I, okay, but let me just say. The when poem. despair for the world mm. grows in me, mm. and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and what my children's lives may be, I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax themselves with forethought of grief. Hmm. I go and lie down where the wood drake lays hmm. and the great heron feeds. I lie beside still waters, beneath day-blind stars, hmm. waiting with their light. And for a moment, I am free. I'm not sure if that was exact or not. You know, I got to tell you, it is as much about listening to you utter those words as it is about the words themselves. Like, Like, I hear you say that poem, and you, you become the poem. The poem becomes you. Yeah, it's, mm. and I, um, and that sense of rhythm and cadence and language all coming into this space of artistic expression is what we long for our lives to be. I want to, I want to, I want to greet the person at the post office with that. I, I want, I want to be, I, I want to be Wendell Berry's poetry. In a in a thirty second interchange with somebody at the post office, and we think, well, gosh, that's that, come on, that's just way too much to ask for. No, beauty is waiting around every moment in every corner. The other option I was going to give was the moment that you described when you were going for that walk and you crossed over the bridge. Yeah, can you tell us that one? Yeah. So I so the reason why if if you um, people haven't listen to all of the episodes of the Being Known podcast, uh, we had, I think it was season one, maybe, um, you know, and we were really in the lockdown period of the pandemic. And through this practice of you and I um, and Amy really sort of putting this work into practice mm-hmm. in community and wanting to put myself in the line of oncoming beauty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having some anxieties about the world and, mm-hmm. as Wendell Berry says in, in the poem, my, my life and my kids' lives and mm-hmm. what's going to become of them, I was taking these walks, these sort of gratitude walks. And I had decided that uh, I was going to put this poem to memory mm-hmm. on these walks. And... Uh, there's a walk that starts at my front door and goes through the neighborhood and ends in this in this park, really pretty park, where there's a um, the East Fork of the South the East Fork R- Creek runs through of Gunpowder Creek, and there, there's a bridge 
at the end of the walk that goes over the over the creek, and I'm I'm trying to memorize this poem. And as I get to the crest of the bridge, and I'm I'm literally memorizing the the idea of the great heron and the wood drake and the piece of wild things, I look down the creek and I see something stirring in the water and I realize that it's a great blue heron. Oh my gosh. And, I know. Every time uh, I get chilled fishing every in time the creek, you tell me this story. Right? And, uh, and there's something stirring between the heron and me and I'm thinking, <laughs> if that's a wood drake, I'm jumping in. <laughs> uh, it was a mallard mm-hmm. and it was probably stirred by my presence and it started uh, flying, flew up out of the creek, flew up so low over my head that I could hear his wings flapping mm. over my head. Mm. I turned and watched him go down around the bend on the other side, on the other side of the bridge. And I had, to say the least, just goosebumps. Mm. And uh, it was a, just a beautiful, beautiful moment to mm. and. You know, there there was this, as the poem says, this peace that came over me. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. So we do press into that notion of beauty in that chapter, and then extending into the next chapter, this notion that this is uh, something that is in you know it, it's inherent not just in who we are developmentally, like little kids who run into your kitchen that they want to show you things that they've made, and that this is what we were made for. But we then go into I think the next chapter of really kind of exploring how it is that this is how we were made in God's image and that that process of being curious about what is the next new artifact of beauty and goodness that God is calling us to make is something that is ancient. It comes off the pages of the oldest literature that we have and it is a thing that we long to grow into and that we long to become at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And out of um, the, the following chapter, we out of that chapter, we got into um, the whole idea of becoming the beauty that we create. And then we go into trauma and shame and people mm-hmm. of grief. Yeah. And I think this episode really struck a lot of a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, it seemed from all the comments that I saw, it was definitely our most listened to episode, mm-hmm. um, which is telling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd like yeah. you to speak on that just just a bit. Well, I think I you know, you know, I I, I recently uh, I had had the honor of, of writing an endorsement for a book mm-hmm. that a friend of mine is writing on trauma. And I and I in the endorsement I write that the trauma is the byword of our age, right? Mm. It is, it is, it, it's just in everything. It's everywhere. And it, and as, and as I've, we, we talked about in the chapter, trauma isn't just something that shatters us. It equally shatters my capacity to imagine the very nature of what has happened to me, let alone the very nature of then what is possible to move from where I am to where I long to be because the whole nature of longing itself is ruptured. Longing now becomes associated with great danger. And so to long for things when the trauma of shame and disintegration is waiting around every corner means that I'm taken out of this posture of 
imagining what is the next new artifact of beauty that I want to create. That just becomes ludicrous. That's insane. And so it's, I, I think we, you know, I'm guessing that the people found this to be helpful because it's so resonant with where we find ourselves. And the good news is that God is not afraid of trauma. God himself in the Christian story has endured about the worst kind of trauma that anybody could throw at somebody. And God sees a new future in which beauty is always looking to arise from the very worst places we could imagine. An idea in and of itself that we humans could never have come up with. Yeah. And, and one of the places where we, where we can nurture that beauty and, and um, out of those places that embody shame and, and trauma is these confessional communities, which was what our fifth episode was, was about, was really digging into how we tell our stories more truly. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I, I don't know that we said this in that episode that I'll, I'll just highlight here, and that is that in many respects, uh, you know, people sometimes will say, you know, well, these confessional communities, you know, you first of all, like you got to pay for it because you're going to see two therapists and there are all these rules and regulations. You can't talk to each other outside the group. And that's kind of weird and all the things. And, and, and I understand that. Um, and, and so it, it, at first glance, it feels like these confessional communities are so different from what we might consider to be common everyday life. And yet, as it turns out, with two exceptions, there's nothing about what we do in these confessional communities that is any different from what we do in our normal everyday lives. Any interaction that we have, we practice a certain degree of confidentiality. I don't just tell the checkout clerk at Safeway everything about my day. I don't tell them everything. There are certain people I tell certain things to and other people that I don't tell certain things to. There are boundaries and bridges and all kinds of things that apply in the same way that they apply in these communities. What's different about the communities are two things. One the degree of intentionality that I am practicing on purpose in being in relationship with the people that are in the group. Now, when I say that that's different, I mean like we're practicing in that space, being intentional. And the invitation is for us to be just as intentional in being in relationship outside that group. But the group gives us an opportunity to practice being in relationship fully on purpose. And the second way that we were different is the degree to which we are aware of the processes and the depths of those processes that are taking place at any given time. You may be telling me something, but at the but behind what you're telling me is, you know, you're talking to me, but I know it's your dad who's standing in the room next to us having this conversation. A lot of times we're not paying attention to those kinds of things, but these communities help us practice becoming more fully aware of the depth of processes that are taking place in any domain we have interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So that takes us to uh, chapter six, which was imagine that, looking at we do, what we don't yet see. Yeah. 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 This notion, again, we, we, we've, we've mentioned this before, that there's nothing that we do that does not require imagination. Some of our imaginative processes uh, are the same ones that we've practiced for a while, but we still have to imagine it, that I'm going to walk across the floor and the floor is going to hold. But some of them, like, are you going to ask that girl out on a date? <laughs> are you going to end that job? Are you going to set a limit with your parent or with your child or with your friend? 
What are the things that we're going to do? We talked in the last episode about Andrew having to imagine something on Francine's behalf in order for Francine's imagination to catch up. So much of the work of these confessional communities and of what it means for us to create beauty and goodness in the world requires us to imagine things that are out beyond our current capacity to do so. And that's why we need other people's brains in the room to help us do that. You know, I, we were talking um, in the last episode, I don't know if we were talking off camera or or on, but um, and we were talking about how, you know, this podcast itself, that um, mm, mm. Amy imagined it before we did. Yeah. And we, yeah. you you and I couldn't quite imagine it until <laughs> she, she finally is like, look, right. jokers. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. So it takes, a, know. It takes that community and it has, it, sometimes we can't, you know, we can't see it for ourselves and other people have to see it first for yeah. us. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's yeah. right. Right. So, so then uh, out of that, we get to the chapter on dwell. And this mm. is where we start uh, delving into Psalm 27, 4. Mm, yeah. And the yeah. question of where am I? Right. And, and we, you know, who do I live? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we, uh, we don't have all the time to, to dwell on these things as deeply as we'd like in this uh, session. But right. uh, there's, you know, there's the episode that we have. And I, I'm just, you know, my awareness is just heightened as to how quickly we move from thing to thing to thing to thing and how difficult it is for us to dwell and just to encourage people that I, I, I just want to say it's hard to dwell. It's hard to do that. It's hard to be with, to remain in the room given our penchant for being distracted, but also given how hard it is for us to sit with things that are painful in our lives. It's hard to do that. Yeah, for and sure. So, uh, but, but it's necessary if change is going to take place in order for me to develop a sense of courage to then do the next hard thing of beautiful creativity. Um, I'm going to need to know that I can dwell someplace where I can return when things get difficult. Yeah. Yep. And after you dwell, you have to gaze. And the thing that, that, uh, one of the things that I really highlighted out of this chapter was this idea of healing requiring perseverance mm -hmm. and just this picture of the two millimeters yeah, uh, per day. Of yeah. a day, right? Yeah. 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 And that, uh, you know, again, that, Gazing is not glancing. It is it is gazing, and I have to dwell in order to gaze, to and to gaze. I mean, sometimes it's just as difficult. You know, if you, if you see a, a, an embarrassing situation, it's hard for me to gaze at that as much as it's difficult for me to allow you to gaze upon parts of me that are difficult. Um, and and I, you know, you and I, have, we've talked frequently, and others have heard us share how uh, you and I have had opportunities to gaze upon parts of each other that we, you know, that are just not. We don't we don't think they're very pretty, and. Um, and that very act being acts of healing. Yeah. You know, opportunities for me to be able to know that, oh gosh, like Pepper's holding something that I now am not holding by myself. Yeah. And so I can breathe more easily. And I then, I don't have to burn all that energy by myself to contain all that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. And then uh, after we gaze, we inquire. Right. Right. This is where we yeah. learned about William and Ella. And, you know, go back and listen to that story because it's, it's really something, right? Yeah. And we, we ask the four questions. Who are you? What do you want? Can you drink the cup? And do you love me? Hmm. And, you know, I, I think in, in many respects, they're, they're kind of like self-explanatory. And there's not yeah. a lot that we have to say about that other than, again, once, uh, once again, to acknowledge that these, these are not questions that we only answer once. We are repeating and, and asking and answering these questions repeatedly over and over and over and over again. 
And especially as we then get to the last chapter of the book, we're really, you know, pursuing this question of like, this is, this is what it means for us to, to ask these questions as a form of us giving an account. Yeah. yeah. And we, we are, are practicing for heaven and that's what, that's what's happening in these groups. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's in these confessional communities that we uh, experience this opportunity for us to dwell, to gaze, and to inquire uh, long enough for us to experience healing from trauma and to, as we like to say, giving my imagination time to catch up with yours as you are imagining things for me that I can't yep. quite yet imagine. Not just because I'm not smart enough, but because I'm too afraid and too ashamed to do so. Mm-hmm. And in, in many respects, we see that the Holy Trinity uh, gives us a model for this, that God never runs out of options, primarily because he never runs out of presence. And by that, mm-hmm. I don't mean P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Right. I mean, he right. never, like, there's, as, as long as I am with you, even to the end of the age, we have everything we need. And no uh, suffering, as much as it can be painful, Uh, is always going to be mitigated, not just because I have a solution to the suffering, but because I have presence of others in the middle of the suffering that I encounter. Yeah. 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 And, and I just, the, 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 the idea of, and I've thought about this with our relationship of, you know, taking you with me Mm. and Mm -hmm. feeling that presence, um, Mm has been a has been a blessing and yeah. um well i will say dr desire you knocked it out with this book <laughs> i mean holy you know. mcgillicuddy but seriously it's a beautiful book and it has been so it's just mm. been so great going through it with you i mean mm. what a what a pleasure right mm. i mean mm. and mm. Um, and learning more from it um mm. i i feel like i'm um I feel like I'm growing through this process, mm. through this process mm. of this podcast. Mm. And, oh, I um, certainly am. Yeah. 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 So I'm, well, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You had a look on your face. You were going okay. somewhere. I, I Don't was, tell me you were I was tempted. Weren't. I was tempted. <laughs> I was tempted. But I'm working on temptation. Yeah. Well, good. I'm working good. on temptation. So, so I do want to say that um, as we, as we wrap this season, be on the lookout because season four is slated for to begin on March the 2nd. We're really excited about it. You are going to love what we're bringing to you. And once we figure out what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Kurt. Oh, man. Thanks I love so you much. too, brother. All right, man. Yeah. This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and editing is by Keaton Simons. Video production and editing is by Mark Gould. Speaking of videos, each week we post the video version of every episode to our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube by going to youtube.com or your app and searching Being Known Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at BeingKnownPod. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. And please like, rate, and review. Be well, be known.